70 years with KBS World Radio, 70 years of global Korea. Throughout the year, we celebrate the 70th anniversary of KBS World Radio with the voices of our listeners from all over the world. Xin chào mọi người, mình là Duyên, đang du học tại Hàn Quốc. Mình biết đến KBS World Radio trong khi Hi, my name is Duyên and I'm a Vietnamese student studying in Korea. I learned about KBS World Radio when I was getting ready to come to Korea. I started listening to the station to understand more about the Korean language as well as the culture, society, and politics. It is a bit difficult, but it helps me a lot with my studies because the programs are very high quality, unmatched by those of any other stations. I'm particularly interested in news, cultural events, and sports. I love how there are always various cultural events taking place in Korea. Congratulations on the 70th anniversary. I'll look forward to more programs on Korea's cultural events. Thank you. Seventy years with KBS World Radio. Seventy years of global Korea. KBS World Radio brings Korea to you wherever you are. Friday the 29th of December and welcome to Korea 24. I'm your host, Hon jang The PPP have officially launched its Emergency Leadership Committee led by the former Justice Minister Han Dong-un. Meanwhile, the DP have racked up their protests against the President's plan to veto a bill related to the First Lady. We'll have more details in news briefing shortly. Coming up for weekly economy review... We review the year in the economy in Korea and look ahead to what 2024 might bring. And coming up for Movie Spotlight, we hand out our end-of-year awards, highlighting the, the best performances and movies from the Korean film industry. Let's begin our final Korea 24 of the year. The ruling People Power Party's Emergency Leadership Committee, headed by Chairman Han Dong-un, officially kicked off on Friday. Our KBS World Radio News Editor Koo Hee-jin joins us in the studio now to brief us on day one for Han and the committee, as well as our other headlines of the day. Hee-jin, hello. Hello, jang So it seems Han, the former Justice Minister, had a busy day assigning new posts for the committee and also paying courtesy calls to rival party leaders. So what can you tell us? Well, the PPP held a standing national committee meeting and proved of the members of the interim steering panel uh, prior to its official uh, formation in a, a vote by 59 of the 66 standing national committee members targeted with 96.61% approving at 57 votes in favour. The emergency committee named eight members while PPP floor leader Yoon jae and policy planning committee 
Committee Chairman Yui Dong were included as ex-officio uh, ex members of the committee. On his first day at the post, Han paid up a courtesy call on National Assembly spokesperson Kim Jinpyo and opposition Democratic Party Chair Lee Jae-myung. And while Han and DP Chief Lee Jae-myung were quite polite to each other during their meeting, other opposition party leaders were not so guarded, especially in their criticism against President Yoon Sung-yeol. Mm-hmm. Uh, DP floor leader Hong Yik-pyo accused President Yoon of, quote-unquote, arrogance and self-righteousness for planning to veto a bill that was recently railroaded through the National Assembly by the DP. Mm-hmm. The bill is on a special counsel probe into First Lady Kim Gunny's alleged stock manipulation. What mm-hmm. else did Hong say? Indeed, a special uh, Supreme Council meeting on Friday. Um, Hong criticised the presidential office for announcing Yoon's plan to uh, exercise his veto upon the bill's passage in the opposition strong parliament the day before. Uh, without even considering public opinion. The floor leader stressed that no past president had ever refused an investigation into themselves or their family members by the prosecution or a special prosecutor, accusing Yun of not only uh, be, uh, be, of only being concerned about protecting the first lady. Hong said his party will actively look into the constitutional court's education on jurisdiction disputes regarding the presidential veto over an investigation into his family. Yes, we wait to see when President Yun will wield his veto power once again. Mm -hmm. Let's turn our focus towards Pyongyang now. The United States has reaffirmed that it has no hostile intent towards North Korea and called for dialogue after regime leader Kim Jong-un called for accelerated preparations for a war. So what else did Washington say? Well, a spokesperson for the U.S. State Department reaffirmed the stance on Thursday, stressing that Washington's desire to talk with Pyongyang without preconditions has been made clear and the commitment to diplomacy remains despite an unprecedented number of ballistic missiles launches by the North. The official stressed that the US will seek to cooperate with humanita- uh, cooperate on humanitarian issues regardless of the status of weapons of mass destruction and missile-related discussions. The spokesperson also criticised North Korea's engagement in threatening and irresponsible rhetoric regarding its weapons programmes, including the characterization of some missile launches and other military activities as trial runs for the use of tactical nuclear weapons. The North uh, uh, Korean uh, Central News Agency reported on Thursday that Kim set forth a task to expedite efforts to complete preparation for a war during an annual meeting of the North's ruling Workers' Party on Wednesday. Meanwhile, South Korea's Defence Minister Shin Won-sik said signs of an experimental light water reactor at North Korea's Yongbyon complex were detected well before the time frame recently claimed by the international nuclear watchdog, the IAEA. Can you elaborate? Well, speaking to local reporters on Thursday, Shin said outflow of water from the reactor's cooling system was detected in the summer, earlier than the mid-October, as announced by the International Atomic Energy Agency Director General Rafael Grossi last week. Shin said the reactor is currently testing basic functions as improvements are being made to its equipment and facilities. The minister added that normal operation uh, operationality is expected by next summer.
summer. Shin said, however, that Pyongyang will no, uh, more than likely use the facility to generate electricity rather than produce plutonium in line with the standard use of light water reactors and correlating to the uh, assertion by the regime. Any military use of the reactor, the minister said, would probably be a test of the development of a, a small reactor re- uh, for use inside a nuclear-powered submarine, but can also be used to produce tritium, an ingredient for hydrogen bombs. That's where we're going to wrap up our final news briefing of the year. Hijin, thank you for the updates once again. Thank you. South Korea came into 2023 hoping for, if not expecting, continued economic recovery from the pandemic. But in many areas, the nation continued to struggle. The economy is expected to have grown 1.4% this year, lower than the 1.7% growth forecast set by the Bank of Korea at the start of 2023. Inflation fell to the 2% range in June and July, but it's ending the year back in the 3% range. Meanwhile, trade is showing signs of recovery with exports expanding on year in October for the first time in 13 months. To assess the year in economy for Korea and look ahead to 2024 for our final weekly economy review of the year, we have two guests joining us in this studio. First, we have Professor Kim Yong-jin from Sogang Business School here with us. Professor Kim, hello. Good afternoon. And we have our regular guest, Professor Yang Jun-suk from the Catholic University of Korea, here with us as well. Professor Yang, hello to you too. Happy to be here. Let us start with both your overall assessments of the South Korean economy this year, starting with you, Professor Kim. What notable takeaways were there for you? All right. Um, In a word, it's been like a um, skating on thin ice. That was my uh, first impression. Skating on thin ice. I mean, you know, um, there have been lots, lots of problems, including trade deficit, you know, mostly caused by, you know, decreasing semiconductor export and lack of liquidity due to, you know, high interest rate and huge household and business debt. And also global supply chain disruptions, you know, due to the U.S.-China conflict, Russia-Ukraine war, and Israel-Palestine war. Amid of these troubles, you know, Korean government and companies could manage to come across the Death Valley to survive. You know, everyone knows, you know, the trade deficit was, you know, caused by sluggish, you know, a recovery of export, particularly in the IT sector, and almost no effect of China reopening. Um, which led to very low export performance of Korean companies, um, especially in the semiconductor areas, dur- durable uh, goods like you know, mobile phones and automobiles in uh, uh, China. A huge household debt suppressed you know, consumer consumptions, which account for about half percent of our economy. Mm. And corporate investment remained low uh, due to the delayed improvement in the manufacturing sector all over the world and high inventory levels. Now we see the downfall of real estate market price, which may cause huge trouble next year. Right, skating on thin ice. That's a very, uh, I think, uh, I like that image. Uh, But I guess the important thing is that the ice didn't break this year. Uh, Yeah. Right. Uh, (laughs) Professor Yang, would you perhaps agree with that assessment? And Uh, what were your takeaways? Yeah, I agree completely with uh, Professor Kim's uh, 
evaluation, and I have even more bad news. Uh, <laughs> right now, the potential growth rate for Korea is thought to be around the low 2% range. Right. That's low enough. Right. Uh, but this year, we did even worse. It was almost a full percentage point below uh, the our potential growth rate. As you said, uh, it's expected to be 1.4% this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, uh, the uh, real sad news is I'm not sure how much this will improve. Mm. Uh, right now, the mm. uh, potential growth rate is thought to be uh, heading downwards continuously. Uh, and then next year's uh, expected growth rate is 2.1%, which is slightly below uh, potential, but hopefully uh, better than this year. But a lot of people are expressing doubt whether we'll be able to go beyond 2% next year. Mm. A lot of private economists are predicting 1% growth rate, uh, 1% range growth rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we uh, hopefully things will be better next year than this year, but I have a feeling it'll s- still feel like a recession. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. the ice will still feel thin next year then. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've both hinted at some of the factors that affected uh, the economy this year, but let's explore that a bit more. Uh, what were the internal and external factors that took their biggest toll on the economy here in Korea in 2023. Professor Yang, let me go back to you first. Okay, well, the monster in the room, Professor Kim mentioned this already, is high inflation and interest rates. And it's not just Korea. It starts with the United States. Uh, because United States had such high inflation throughout the year, uh, they, had, they increased their uh, interest rate to uh, 5.5%, mm-hmm. and that forced Korea, as well as most of the advanced countries in the world, to raise their interest rate as well. Now, mysteriously, U.S. economy did pretty well, even with the high interest rate, even with the high inflation rate. But other countries, including Korea, could not keep up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we had not only slow consumption because of the high interest rate, but uh, more interest rate burden on borrowers, not just uh, households, but also corporate. Uh, and... Uh, we had uh, very slow uh, investment growth. Uh, that also led to a collapse in housing prices. Uh, so uh, in a sense, uh, the high interest rate is causing problems for everybody, uh, but Korea cannot reduce infl- uh, interest rate on its own, mm. partially because uh, we cannot let the inflation uh, interest rate differential get too high, but also uh, Korean inflation is still very much above target. And then, as Professor Kim mentioned, there is a slowdown in China, which is slowing down Korean growth. Though I would mention that what's really important for Korea is Chinese exports rather than Chinese domestic economy, because Korean exports are mostly intermediate goods Mm -hmm. that are used in Chinese economy. And one additional point I would mention is conflicting government policies. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was, I think, in the other areas, okay, uh, this is uh, something that government could not change, uh, so uh, we did the best with what we had, uh, but government policy seems to be flip-flopping a lot, especially uh, with uh, uh, household debt mm-hmm. and housing prices. Uh, we can either lower housing debt or we can uh, lower housing prices or increase housing prices, control housing prices, but not both. Mm-hmm. And the uh, 
government kept on changing its policies throughout the year, depending on which was uh, on the front page. And I think that caused a lot of uh, problems in the Korean economy, and it caused a lot of conflicts and loss of uh, confidence in uh, economic policies from the government. Mm-hmm. Professor Kim, I noticed a lot of nodding there while Professor Yang was giving his answer. Uh, what do you think were the uh, important uh, factors that took the biggest toll on the Korean economy this year? Well, you know, Professor Yang explained very well. <laughs> he, he, you know, explained everything. I mean, there are, you know, three factors, actually, uh, we can uh, summarize. Number one is the interest rate, as he mentioned. Um, so uh, interest rate, we, Korean interest rate would be affected by U.S. interest rate directly, you know, just like all uh, other countries. Um, U.S. you know uh, Federal Reserve Board inc- raised the interest rate you know very very quickly um, from zero to five point five percent. The Bank of Korea you know had to follow that, and a lot of experts you know at the time expected that the crash of U.S. economy, mysteriously you know U.S. economy is still very strong you know show uh, over four percent um, growth rate. That's amazing. I mean, so um, even next year, they won't uh, decrease the interest rate dramatically. That's uh, one of the big problems we may have. And you know, due to the high interest rate, we experience a lot of uh, problems like a low demand of product and services, uh, low interest, low uh, investment, and also you know real estate price you know decrease. Those are you know main factors. And uh, Professor Young mentioned you know potential growth rate. Um, you know, we a uh, couple of couple of weeks ago, Japan or one of Japanese, you know, uh, company reported that the peak of Korea, that means you know we lose, uh, you know, gross potential. I mean, Korea, Korean economy lose gross potential, and it might be uh, below two percent due to a low fertility rate and also aging um, society. That could not, you know add any more of uh, labor uh, efficiency to the economy and the investment will you know go down again and the second part is i'm worried about this more um the chinese china effect the uh, first effect was like you know uh professor yang mentioned um sluggish recovery of chinese economy which demand a lot of our uh, uh the intermediate product like a part materials and machines and tools and also we their uh, real estate you know uh, development um, like a need a lot of our uh, those, those you know product you know for constructions but they stopped that and our uh, export you know totally down and also the conflict between the US and China we have to um, make lines you know I don't know with China or with uh, US that uh, gives a lot of troubles to our Korean uh, government. And the other part, that, that's, you know, everybody knows, but the other part is China uh, gains competitive advantage a lot over Korea. Um, in, so uh, Korean company now, you know, Ch- China just, uh, the, the, traditionally, China and Korea, you know, plays a role as division of labor. Mm. So, you know, uh, high-tech and mid-tech, Korean companies, you know, export to China and Chinese companies make, you know, a, a final product. But now they become competitors of Korean companies. So Korean companies go all over the world to compete with these Chinese companies. 
that also um, caused the drop of um, export performance. Right. Right, considering everything you've talked about then, then I'm almost afraid to ask our final question, which is looking towards next year. Uh, how optimistic are you about the Korean economy next year? I mean, what can we look forward to, Professor Yang? What can you tell us? Okay, well, uh, I think things will improve slightly. Uh, right now, the uh, es estimate for uh, next year's growth is somewhere between 2.1 to 2.3%. Mm -hmm. uh, that's still below potential, but it's very close. Uh, like so a lot of people are uh, less optimistic, but still, uh, there are some optimistic factors. The U.S. has signaled that they will reduce interest rates sometime next year, though they didn't say exactly when. Uh, Chinese exports seem to be recovering, though we will have to look at next few months to see whether the trend will continue. Uh, but there is uh, at least some good news, uh, but there is pessimistic news as well. Uh, even if we do have, say, point uh, three percent growth. I think it will look like a recession mm -hmm. uh, because uh, we have been undergoing such hardships this uh, so much hardship this year, and plus there's so much corporate and household debt that I'm not sure if we will have that much of an increase in consumption and investment. Um, having said that, though, uh, Professor Kim mentioned we are skating on thin ice. Uh, uh, so, very minor news can have ma perhaps major effects, especially in the financial right. markets. Right. Uh, so we will have, I think, a very nervous uh, year next year. Right. And Professor Kim, what's right. your forecast for next year? Yeah, I mean, you ask me how optimistic. I'm very pessimistic about the Korean economy next year. I don't think the issues surrounding Korean economy will be resolved, you know, early uh, in the next year. Uh, not mentioning to the geopolitical issues like, you know, uh, U.S., you know, China conflict, Russia and Ukraine war, that kind of things. Um, but just talking about the interest rate and and also export. The interest rate, you know, as, like you know, Professor Yang mentioned, won't go down easily. Uh, and fast next year. Uh, at the end of the year, probably um, the Fed, U.S. Fed, you know, announced that their target would be 4.5 percent. That's not that low. It is still very high compared to you know uh, the the couple of years back. Um, so, but but anyway, you know, U.S. economy looks very strong. And if it is in the case, it is the case, you know, Korean economy will be uh, facing huge trouble of restructuring. We have to uh, restructure our industry totally. And um, also, you know, we just uh, recently witnessed the, the workout of, you know, Taeyeon Construction Company. I think that's just the beginning of the series. Uh, small uh, companies and self-employed, you know, a business may have to go through tough, tough times next year, especially early uh, part of next year. And for the export, um, Chinese economy may not experience that much dramatic, you know, uh, turnaround. Um, so again, our, you know, Korean uh, companies may have trouble uh, for their export, uh, you know, next year. Uh, but, you know, however, still, we have a couple of good news. Oh, that's good to hear. Let's end right. on some good news. Yeah. Uh, there will be some increases in investment in semiconductor area. Um, you no, know, everybody expect that, right? And then 
those American doctor experts just turn around the, the, the end of this year. I mean, it is the end of the year in, in December. Um, and probably non-IT sector, uh, a lot of companies are driving toward the environmentally friendly product and services, which is called you know, ESG um, innovations. So we, have, we may have some kind of champions in that areas. Um, I'm not sure, you know, we have how much uh, uh, we advanced in that area, but uh, Korean companies also invest a lot of uh, uh, money in uh, ESG, environmental friendly, environment friendly goods. So we may see some uh, new structure in the in that area, and we may have some uh, new champions in that area, which may boost up our Korean economy. Well, the outlook, unfortunately, does not look that rosy for next year. So we should perhaps brace for another a difficult year of skating on thin ice. But hopefully uh, the economy does uh, turn li- around a little bit more uh, than this year. Uh, we'll wrap it up there. We'll be speaking to Professor Kim Yong-jin from Sogang Business School and Professor Yang Jun-suk from the Catholic University of Korea. Thank you both for your time today and your analysis. Thank you for Thank having you. me. go! 이로써 잡았습니다. 엘제 트윈스 우승 2023년 이 가을의 주인은 엘제 트윈스입니다. Hi, I'm Casey Kelly, pitcher for the LG Twins. You're now listening to Korea 24 on KBS World Radio. 마침내 우승이란 결실로 돌아옵니다. We go into Korea trending now because the stock markets were closed today, so no Cosby or Kosdaq update. Uh, We go straight into our daily segment instead, where we take a look at some other news stories that have been trending online. And for that, we have with us in the studio, news editor Daniel Che. Daniel, hello. Hello there, Jungle. Yes, it's great to see you. So what do you have for us today? Well, many schools are closing down these days in Korea, one side effect of having a low birth rate. Mm. Attention now turns to these huge facilities that are no longer in use. Right. So what to do with abandoned schools? Can you give us some examples on what's been happening with these schools at the moment? In the case of Huayang Elementary, which closed down in February, a news outlet covered how it's looking and being utilized today. Last Thursday, visitors could see parts of the school field for sports activities being used as parking lots. The tracks for running were still left untouched. Initially, the plan was to have residents of the area use it freely for exercise, but instead it is used mainly by pet owners to take their companions for walks. They were glad to have the space as the previous park for pets closed down. Yes, ironically, as the number of children has been decreasing, the number of pet owners in Korea has been increasing. So using the space to walk dogs, that's actually one of the better scenarios, I understand. And in many cases, the closed down schools provide quite a lot of dilemmas for the local area. That's right. According to data provided by the Ministry of Education as of March this year, the total number of closed schools stands at 3,922 nationwide. Of that total, 358 schools are not being utilized in any capacity. Converting them into different facilities like youth hostels or camping grounds are sometimes met with strong opposition from residents due to noise and security concerns. Also, different government organizations linked to resolving this issue tend to log horns over how the schools and the land should be utilized, and this trend continues to put brakes on plans to convert or sell the facilities and land. 
right often disagreements and setbacks like this just add to the delays and the future of these schools are left in limbo. Yes, some experts highlight the need to quickly reach an agreement on ways to utilize the schools as the facilities pose various risks if they're left alone, such as school children playing in these abandoned areas and getting into accidents, as well as criminals using them as hideouts or to carry out shady businesses. Indeed, it seems like there might be opportunities for such large real estate in prime locations, but sometimes it is hard to think of how best to use these facilities. Maybe some great ideas will come, but for now, uh, it is quite a head-scratcher for uh, many districts. Okay, let's uh, move on to our second story now. What do you have for us? The South Korean government on Thursday announced plans to set up large billboards for ads at Times Square in Gwangamun Square and Myeongdong in Seoul, as well as Busan's Haeundae district. Okay, that sounds interesting. Can you fill us in on the details? Well, on Thursday, the Ministry of Interior and Safety designated these three areas as special zones with ease rules with regards to outdoor ads. They are winners of a strong bidding war that happened since the middle of the year involving some 11 candidates. With large, fancy, flashy and innovative billboards popping up in all corners of these areas, the goal is to help elevate these parts to even greater heights in terms of popularity as tourist hotspots. Right. Were any specific reasons given to why these three areas were chosen? The selected areas are already well-known tourist destinations, so greater exposure to foreigners will lead to greater promotion to the rest of the world. Mm. Knowing this fact, many businesses from across the globe will eagerly fall in line for an ad spot in these areas. That's especially true for Myeongdong and Haeundae. As for Gwangamun, it was chosen for its uniqueness of having elements of tradition and modernity coexisting in one place. Various rules and regulations, including those linked to size, color, installation methods, and more, will be lifted when put up ad billboards in these three areas, so the sky's the limit in terms of scale and creativity. There are also plans to connect the billboard to passers-by and visitors so they can even have their own photos, including selfies, displayed for all to see. <laughs> uh, we know Times Square is instantly recognizable, of course. Uh, there are other examples here in Seoul as well of uh, unique large billboards, right? Yes, in Korea, we have Seoul's Coex area, which was given the same freedom in terms of billboard ads, and it has an impressive resume with mind-blowing effects and that captivated the world and on YouTube and various uh, media or social media. You can see those clips everywhere. Mm. Uh, it's only a matter of time before Korea has three more giants standing shoulders shoulder with renowned greats like the UK's Piccadilly Circus and Dotonbori in Osaka, Japan. Right, those sites have become, of course, synonymous with their cities, featured in TV shows and movies. Uh, perhaps these are new sites in Seoul. will join that list as well. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Let's uh, move on to our last story. What else has been trending today? In the world of football, the AFC Asian Cup kicks off next month, and football fans across the country have been eagerly waiting any news on who will be donning the Teguk patch this time. Well, they don't need to wait any longer. On Thursday at Yongsan CGV in Seoul, the Korea Football Association held a special unveiling ceremony for the 26-man roster. Yes, we briefly mentioned it yesterday. Fans were eager to see who made the list because head coach Jürgen Klinsmann has often stated that he aims to win this competition for Korea which would be for the first time in 64 years for Korea.
It's been a long drought, and this is seen by many as Klinsman's first big test with Korea, so he was determined to assemble the right mix of players to ensure Korea brings home the Asian Cup. Headlining the list are Son Heung-min, of course, Lee Kang-in, Hwang Hee-chan, Kim Min-jae, and Cho Kyu-sung, all superstars making a name and earning their fame with prestigious international clubs. All of them proved their chemistry also in the last World Cup in Asian Games. Right, so no surprises there, really. But of course, in football, like in any team sport, the whole is greater than the sum of all its parts. Uh, what did we hear from the manager in that respect? Well, it placed great emphasis on how the team has proven and tested franchise players that excel in all outfield positions, such as Son and Huang, who are on the top 10 EPL goal score list. Not only that, the rest of the players have been carefully selected to ensure maximum compatibility and chemistry. Klinsman said he has thoroughly analyzed the three teams Korea will face in the group stage and that he is confident about the Taegook Warriors' chances against them. He singled out Japan as the toughest team to beat and said it will be amazing if they met Japan in the finals. Yes, expectations are high. We'll see if Korea can meet them. The competition kicks off on the 12th of January and Korea's first game against Bahrain will take place on the 15th. That's something to look forward to early next year. That's where we're going to wrap it up for today's Korea Trending and the last of the year as well. Daniel, thank you for bringing us all the stories over the past year and we'll see you in 2024. Thank you so much for having me and Happy New Year in advance. It's time now for our Friday feature movie spotlight. And it's our last movie spotlight of the year as well, which means it's time for a special edition of our film segment, our end of year wrap up. Looking back at the year that's passed for the K film industry and also announcing the winners of our awards for best films and performances. Highly regarded, of course. And we uh, cannot do that without the help of our film critics. Uh, Let's bring them in now. First, we have Jason Bechevis. Jason, hello. Oh, hello, Jayo. It's great to be here, as always. And we have Darcy Paquette with us as well. Hello to you, too, Darcy. Hi, good to see you. So, gentlemen, it's been a, should we say, a difficult year for the industry. We've talked about it quite a bit on the show in recent months. The industry is still struggling to recover from the pandemic slowdown it seems and very few films have actually turned a profit but it wasn't all bad news there were a few high points as well Uh, before we get into our list of awards uh, any thoughts in general about 2023 let me start with you Darcy yeah I mean it was a year when the word crisis was being thrown around quite a bit and the mood in the industry in general has been very heavy and very pessimistic. Uh, I mean, partly that's because of Netflix and the outsized influence that Netflix has on the Korean film industry. Uh, Netflix continues to invest a lot, you know, in local content, uh, which, yeah, which makes things a bit harder for, for filmmakers. And of course, audiences have seemed to prefer work on Netflix recently. Um, but it's true. I mean, that it's been hard getting people come to come to the theater, uh, particularly for Korean films. And if we looked at the first four months of the year, like, you know, there are two Japanese animated films that grossed more than all of the Korean films combined. Wow. And yeah, so, I mean, in May, late May, early June, you know, we did have the roundup No Way Out, you know, the sequel to last year's big hit. And that 
also did really well. Uh, summer was kind of a mixed bag. There were some that films that did okay, others that, that really didn't. Um, I mean, by the autumn, I think a lot of people were kind of, I don't know, just reached a point of kind of, um, you know, the bottom in terms of pessimism, in terms of, you know, time to get out of the industry. Uh, and then we had this movie, you know, 12, 12 the day, which opened and was a huge, huge hit. And I mean, it helped, if nothing else, to restore a bit of credibility for the film industry. Yes, the huge success of that film, the industry, I guess, is uh, ending the year on a bit of a more hopeful note than we might have expected earlier in the year. Jason, what about you? What did you take away from this year? Yeah, no, I totally agree with, with Darcy. Um, he wonderfully articulated, you know, the kind of the crises that the Korean film industry continues to to face. And I think crisis is something that uh, the industry has always kind of encountered in, in one uh, form or another. Um, but, you know, Korea, the Korean film industry, one of the things I've, I've always admired about it is how resilient it is. And you saw that in the late 2010s when it kind of, you know, during the early 2000s, um, uh, it kind of yeah, hit, a, I guess, a recession, right? Mm, I mean, the industry yeah. kind of peaked in 2005, 2006. Um, and then, so yeah, the 2000s, um, and then it kind of um, hit, you know, a crisis point. And I think what we're seeing at the moment is something something quite similar, but it but it recovered, you know, in the early 2010s. And um, I think here we, we are seeing signs that it could perhaps stage recovery. It is slower than other markets, particularly, you know, North America or North America. It's, it's kind of one month it's good, one month it's bad. Um, and you saw that with, you know, uh, Barbenheimer, you know, just a hugely popular summer for films over there, and it just wasn't replicated here. Um, but you know, going to Busan this year, I did feel a sense of optimism actually, which is quite ironic. I think some producers could sense their opportunities out there in mm. what you know, perhaps opportunities they didn't have before, because you know. You know, during the 2010s, you know, the studios very much consolidate, consolidated their presence. Now we've got Netflix, which has really kind of upended things. Uh, and so potentially there, there are chances for younger filmmakers to make films uh, with, you know, not yeah, lower budgets, but still, um, you know, released in commercial theatres, much like Sleep, actually, that uh, this is the film by Jason Yu that did really well in uh, here in Korea and also, you know, premiered at the Cannes Film Festival. Uh, so it is difficult, but I think there, you know, given the success of 12, 12 the day, uh, and also the films that have done well in Korea, including Smugglers, Concrete mm. Utopia, which didn't perhaps perform as well as as well as the studio liked, but it still did okay. You know, these are films that are, are actually quite different quite unique i think what we're seeing is the evolution of the blockbuster and i think that's a good thing yes hopefully next year we will see some more hits okay let's jump into the main event for today it is of course our coveted end of year awards Yay, drum yes. roll. <laughs> we have four categories in total and these were voted on by our three regular contributors to this uh, segment uh, this year, Jason Darcy and, of course, Mark Raymond. The first category is Best New Actor. And as ever, we don't have an actual drum roll, but uh, Jason, <laughs> I guess, proverbial drum roll. <laughs> Jason, who is the lucky winner? Yeah, this is uh, this is an actress who is actually, she's been uh, more well-established on, on television 
Uh, but she certainly shines uh, in a first major movie role. It's, of course, Go Minshi, Go Minshi uh, from the movie Smugglers. So I watched this, uh, I think I actually, we spoke about this film on the, the show, didn't we? Mm. And I went to the movie premiere. And it'll be a movie premiere I'll, I'll never forget. I say movie premiere is more of a press screening. But it was... Um, the, there was so much enthusiasm and it was so refreshing you know given the year that the Korean film series had I hadn't been in a screening like that for years not months but for years and so there was a lot of energy in that screening the film did of course do very well but I did come out of that screening thinking wow uh, some of the performances were terrific including Go Machine because I hadn't really I'll be quite honest here. I hadn't noticed her before. I'm sorry if she's listening. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I certainly, listen, I certainly um, uh, noticed her and I actually started following her on Instagram. So I became a bit of a fan. Uh, so, yes, yeah, she, she is terrific. She's got, she, she, I mean, the film has a lot of energy and her bef- that's partly down to her performance. So, um, yeah, I'll certainly be watching what she gets up to over the coming uh, months and years ahead. Darcy? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, she was appearing on the screen together with Kim Hae-soo and Yum Jung-ha and these kind of legends of contemporary cinema. But, uh, I mean, she managed to kind of hold her own among that group. And it was an interesting role, too, because the character that she's playing is often kind of pretending or acting and, you know, partly to kind of throw off the other characters around her. But, you know, her performance has these layers. And so it was a, a fascinating character. And then she really pulled it off well. Okay, so she's an actress who managed to impress even among some of the more heavyweights in the film Smugglers. Ko Min-shi, the first winner of our awards today and a name to continue to look out for in the coming years, as you said, Jason. Okay, next we have Best Actor. Darcy, would you like to announce this one? Yes. Um, some listeners might cry a technical foul when we announce this because I mean, the film <laughs> itself is I mean, sort of half Korean at most, but... The best actor goes to Pak Ji-min for her performance in the film Return to Seoul. Mm. Uh, it's a film about an adoptee who return, who goes from France and then comes to Korea. Uh, the film premiered at the Cannes Film Festival last year, uh, got a lot of acclaim around the world, and then it was released in Korea in May. Uh, the director is Cambodian-French. His name is Davy Cho. And, I mean, he found Pak Ji-min after doing this really long, intensive process of auditions in France and she'd never acted before um, but I mean she totally lights up the screen I oh mean, my god yeah uh, it's such a natural performance and um, I mean clearly she has some innate talent because to walk off the street and give a performance like that is pretty incredible right so technically she's a new actor as, as well, well then yeah. so yeah. perhaps this is more of a best actor in a leading role oh, award and perhaps we should quickly rename our previous Category best actor in a supporting <laughs> role, I guess, rather than the best new actor. But anyway, let's not well, quibble it, over those details. But if it had been a Korean film, I, I'm sure she would have won a whole bunch of awards at you know the Blue Dragons because it is such uh, a yeah, it's a natural performance. But there's an intensity there. I mean, you, she's she's totally mesmerising, um, and uh, I just can't believe that. A, they found her, and B, she, has no, she had, had no experience. It's remarkable. She, she, I mean, it is a mesmerising performance. And, um, she, 
yeah, uh, it's there's a rawness to it, and I think that's probably mm. you know that's, that's the thing when you get these new actors that they they haven't kind of been studio trained. Mm. Um, they're not, you know, they're focused primarily on just giving just a, a performance rather than perhaps worrying about other things that are going on as well. So, yeah, apparently she's not that interested in becoming an actor. <laughs> so yeah, she might might take some convincing for her to do her second role, but um, but yeah, I mean, she left everything on the table for this one. Right, appreciate it while you can in this film. So the Best Actor Award goes to Pak Ji-min. Okay, moving on. Next is Best Director. Jason, who did our esteemed panel pick to take this honour? Yeah, we, we were debating for a little while uh, with regards to uh, some of these categories, including this one. Um, and so this is from... Because uh, we looked at the indie movies and also the commercial titles. Uh, we wanted to focus a little bit on, on independent films as well. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we've decided to go with July Jung for her film, um, Next Zoe, which actually prem- premiered last year at the Cannes Film Festival, screened in Busan, which is where I saw it. Didn't it close Critics Week, Darcy? Was that right? That's right. It was a yeah. closing film. Um, so yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite films of that, of, of this year. I mean, mm. it's, it's sometimes confusing because because we watch films at festivals and so we get to see them a bit earlier, but, uh, you know, we, what we're doing here is we're just, um, focusing on films that have been released this year. Mm. Um, and so the film is essentially to- told in two parts, centers around a, uh, young student. She works at a call center, uh, and then, uh, you know, people are taking advantage of her. And so it's, just, yeah, you have that part of the film and then the second half of the film it focuses on the Beidunar character who investigates what happened to her so um, yeah two great performances we're actually thinking about you know perhaps um, actually giving uh, Kim Seon the best actor or best new actor because she's, she's again absolutely fantastic um, but yeah July Jung she's she's an incredible filmmaker so um, yeah clearly this she's she's another film di- film director to uh, to look out for. This, this is a second film. Yeah, and let me jump in and just mention, I mean, another film that almost won this category and that we debated about uh, because the movie A Wild Rumor um, yeah, by I'm director like, Lee Jung-hong. This mm. is great too. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it on the program a few weeks ago, but, you know, it's so unique. Uh, it's kind of so exciting to discover a film like this and, you know, a filmmaker who's presenting his first film, but, yeah. you know, just feels so confident and... Uh, so different from other films that are coming yeah. out. Yeah, Lo- local critics really embrace this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The local film magazine, Cine Twenty One, just released their top films of the year as voted on by all of their their critics, and this movie came in at the top. Wow. Okay, so it topped the list for Cine Twenty One as well. That's a wild rumor, but of course, uh, our best director award goes to July Jung for her film Next Soi. And finally, we've come to the top award of the year the best film of 2023 uh, there have been over a hundred Korean films released in theatres over the past 12 months although as we said very few that turned a profit but still out of all of those Darcy which was our top pick this year yeah it was kind of an easy choice because uh, we had one movie that kind of saved the film industry in, in many ways <laughs> and it was a great film as well Twelve uh, Twelve the Day or Sorebom. Soul Spring. Uh, it's screening in theaters as we speak. Of course, it's about the incident in 1979 when future president Chan Doo-hwan uh, led kind of an insurrection within the military. And 
you know, it's an incredibly ambitious film. Uh, I heard that the original cut of the film is like five hours long. <laughs> and, um, yeah, great performances, uh, really, uh, you know, well controlled. And so as you're watching the film, the tension just continues to build and build. Uh, viewers' fury at, at what's happening um, builds and builds as well. And so that, um, yeah, it's definitely the film that I'll remember this year for. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's definitely one of the top films of the year. That's why we, we've, uh, <laughs> we've uh, recognized it as such. Uh, but yeah, I think we wanted we wanted to pick a film that connected with audiences as well. I mean, we kind of like the Oscars in that way. Uh, and so, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, it's it's a very accomplished film. It's it's really quite um, disciplined in the way it focuses on the t- these two central characters. So often with these films, it can get really convoluted. That didn't happen here. Uh, some a great performance by Huan Zhongmin. But yeah, it's just really well directed and well written. It's it's uh, it's well over two hours. Doesn't feel that long. It's really well staged and. Um, yeah, it, it will go down in movie history as perhaps the movie that saved Korean cinema. <laughs> so we we have to, yeah, we had we had to kind of um, put it in there some somewhere. And yeah, I think at the top seems rather appropriate. Indeed. So twelve twelve the day is our film of the year, and it helps end the year on a high note for the industry as well. With that in mind, then briefly let's preview what we might expect next year as well. Uh, who wants to start us off, Jason? Yeah, well, anyone who knows me knows I absolutely love Bong Joon-ho. So he's got a new film out and I check every day whether there's any news coming out. Um, I, I keep asking my sources in the industry, when is this film being released? Uh, because it is supposedly the March, uh, the end of March, but it looks like it's going to be pushed back. Uh, could be a May release, could be late on the summer. We'll have to wait and see. Could be can. Uh, so, yeah, very curious to see what he's up to with that film. I've read the book. Uh, it's actually called Mickey 7 but the film's called Mickey 17. Mm. So um, it's science fiction um, and clearly Bong Joon-ho's worked uh, on English language projects before, but this is the first time that it's um, it's not set in Korea at all. It's got no Korean uh, production company attached, although the post-production is being done here. Um, so we've also got Naung Jin, who's another you know big uh, name in Korean cinema. He directed, you know, uh, just classics such as uh, modern classics such as The Chaser and also The Wailing and he's busy shooting his next uh, his next movie um, so yeah we'll have to wait and see what happens uh, there's still a bit of a backlog as well uh, there's still quite a few films to be released over the coming few weeks and few months ahead they're actually shot either during the pandemic or even before the pandemic so uh, I think what's, what's been quite interesting with the Christmas season is that they're just releasing almost like one film at a time now rather than doing what they have done is like release like four films over a busy period but over Christmas we've only, we've only got No Yang which is released this week um, or rather last week so yeah um, we'll have to wait and see how well that does Right Darcy hopefully next year about a year for the K film industry Yeah I'm hoping for some surprises because you know yeah. every year there's always some film that kind of comes out of nowhere and that surprises you and I mean 12 12 the day is one example from this year but uh, when you kind of look at the production schedule and you know the films that are slated to come out next year it's we don't have a lot of high profile releases and so so i'm slightly concerned but um if the quality is there uh you know maybe we will get some kind of happy surprises for the well 12 uh, the 12 the day right. was sure. a surprise wasn't it really yeah. well we will see what 2024 brings
Jason Darcy, thank you for that today and all the reviews you've brought for us throughout the year. And our thanks goes out to uh, Mark Raymond as well. Thanks, Mark. Gentlemen, <laughs> thanks, Mark. it's been a pleasure. Have a great new year and we'll see you in 2024. Yeah, save your yeah. money, Happy New Year. Now, before we go, we have a couple of announcements. KBS World Radio's English service broadcast on the shortwave frequency 9.580 megahertz targeting South America will unfortunately be coming to an end from January 1st, 2024. Instead, we'll be airing the same programming on 9.570 megahertz from 10 to 11 UTC. For more details, please go to our website world.kbs.co.kr and look for the PR room where you can find revised details. We thank you for your kind understanding and look forward to listener feedback. Meanwhile, on Monday, instead of Career 24, we'll be broadcasting KBS World Radio's 2024 New Year's Day special, Singing the Year of the Blue Dragon. So we hope you join us for that. And Career 24 will be returning on Tuesday, January 2nd. Till then, we would like to thank all our listeners for tuning in over the past year. We hope you have a wonderful new year and we'll see you again in 2024. I've been your host, Kwon jang and thank you as always for listening. Goodbye. Until peonies bloom, I Kim Yong Nang. Morani Pigikajinan Nananajik Naui Pomer Kidarigo Isil Teo. Morani Tuk Tuk Dorojo Porinal Nanan Piroso Pomer Yoin Sorume Changil Teo. Until peonies bloom, I'll just go on waiting for my spring. On days when peonies drop, drop their petals, I'll finally languish in sorrow at the loss of spring. 5월 어느 날, 그 하루 무덥던 날, 떨어져 누운 꽃잎마저 시들어 버리고는 천지에 몰아는 자취도 없어지고 One day in May, that one sultry day when the fallen petals had all withered away there was no trace of peonies in all the world 뻗쳐 오르던 내 보람 서운케 무너졌느니 모란이 지고 말면 그뿐 내 한해는 다 가고 마라 My soaring sense of fulfillment had crumbled into sorrow Once peonies have finished falling My year is over for all 360 days I sadly lament. 360날 한양 섭섭해 우옵니다. 
모란이 피기까지는 나는 아직 기다리고 있을 테요 찬란한 슬픔의 봄을 Utopian is bloom I'll just go on waiting for a spring of glorious sorrow 